0: Welcome to BIB Today, the podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LePoint, publisher and editor-in-chief. Increasingly, our economy is striving to be circular, to keep materials, components, products, and assets at their highest utility and value at all times, and for a very long time. This is very different from the take, make, use, dispose linear model of production and consumption. And nowhere is this more evident than in our forestry and construction industries. We're exploring this circular economy and its opportunities over two parts in our podcast. Our first part looked at what the circular economy entails. Today, we're looking at opportunities for Canada and for British Columbia. My guest again is Paul Shorthouse. He's the senior director at Delphi.ca, one of the leading consultancies of the circular economy in Canada. And our series is sponsored by naturallywood.com. Paul, good to have you again.
1: Great to be here, thanks for uh, part
0: two. So, let, let's go, uh, let's look at the national picture here and where Canada can insinuate itself most into the circular economy. You mentioned in our first part that really we're still seeing uh, a very, very slight uh, leaning toward the circular economy, a lot more linear development of, of our resources, um, something around three percent. You thought in, in a Quebec study. So We've got a lot, lot of room to grow here. Uh, where are the opportunities most for Canada?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. If you look at the development of, say, circular economy um, principles and policies and efforts uh, globally, you know, I mentioned in the first uh, interview that Europe has been out in front in this space for some time, as have some of the Asian countries, and and you know, their their pressure has been to deal with you know, a shortage of natural resources um, and also population density issues and, and, you know, that make the business case for, for a circular economy. And, and Canada, I would say, is sort of in a unique position in that we're resource rich, we have a diverse economy, we're we're very wide in terms of geography and and lower density. So those are different considerations when when you think about the transition to a more circular economy for Canada. Um, We have, you know, a very diverse industrial base. Um, As I mentioned, natural resources is important. So for us looking at opportunities, for example, in the bioeconomy, which are um, natural resource-based um, foundations and feedstocks like forestry sector and agriculture um, and how those materials that are renewable can be uh, managed sustainably and turned into products and service everything from say biodegradable packaging as an alternative to plastics to um, wood and uh, wood used in, in buildings and, and manufacturing. Um, secondly, I would say we're we're becoming better at sustainable materials management and there's opportunities in say mining and uh, and and, uh, and recycled materials like battery technologies for example that are happening in canada and then in sort of the remanufacturing space as well so we've got opportunities to take material or take products and equipment and refurbish and, and remanufacture those into new higher value products
0: does uh, does the fact that we have such a, a supply of natural resources that we are um, a big you know, a big country in terms of our geography, that our population is thinly aligned and all of this. Does that combine to make us a little complacent about this? Mm. Um,
1: I'd say it hasn't put the same amount of pressure on us um, as have other countries uh, that have had some of those drivers uh, putting it to the forefront. But what we've noticed, obviously, is that countries are moving forward, private sector is moving forward in this space from large companies like Google and and Apple and, um, you know, other other large multinationals to some of the SMEs that are really getting out in front. And they're coming at it from new business innovation and revenue potential, as well as competitiveness perspectives. And so, Canada is, I think, waking up to this opportunity to say, how do we maximize the value out of our natural resource products and materials in a, in a better way? But how do we also make sure that we're not being left behind in this space? And so it, it is a competitiveness opportunity as much as as anything.
0: I, I think in British Columbia, again, we would uh, fancy ourselves as being uh, conscientious environmental stewards. Uh, that we, We've tried to take uh, very different approaches to resource development. We've We've you know uh, moved along the way, trying to consult widely as much as possible in order to mitigate waste. But so so, where are we succeeding, and for that matter, failing in British Columbia? Mm.
1: Yeah, I think um, you're you're right. We're blessed with. Uh you know, beautiful geography and and climate. And, um, you know, we have a lot of clean natural resources, which is one of our, um, you know, selling features in terms of attracting tourism and, and other benefits from that perspective. I would say that we have long been sort of Viewers of uh, of our resources and and potentially not gathering or collecting the highest value from those resources and we, we could talk to you know the export of raw materials um, without processing um, and getting the highest value out of them to looking at say a, a tree and and not capturing the full value from that tree whether it's from the branches or different parts of the tree and and being able to you know look at the the full value that can come out of uh, everything from biochemical to, um, you know, um, uh, engineered wood products to other, other materials. So um, I think we have the opportunity to, to really look at how some of the leading nations and, and others are, are approaching this to make sure that we're not leaving economic opportunities on the table and, and can generate both domestic opportunities for uh, for use of these products and enhanced and services, as well as uh, the export that will come out of the world moving towards a more circular economy and needing some of our, our resources for supporting that.
0: Does the forestry industry uh, lend itself most to the advancement of the circular economy in terms of an immediate opportunity for us here in British Columbia?
1: I mean, the, the opportunities are are widespread across, I would say, our entire um, economy in terms of different sectors in transition. Um, but certainly, the forestry sector, both from its own operations and applying sort of circular principles to, you know, um, reduce the impact of those operations and you know, enhance the amount of, say, renewable energy used, uh, or you know, on transportation or on operations to the actual products that uh, the forestry sector produces and how those could be, uh, as I mentioned, part of the bioeconomy and, and maximize the value from those, um, you know, we, there's certainly a lot of upside and opportunity there, but it's contrasted with, you know, the need to make sure that those forests are managed uh, sustainably and, and, uh, and looking at that for, for, you know, going forward. And,
0: and how does, um, how does mass timber insinuate itself into this picture, Paul?
1: Yeah, I mean, mass timber is essentially uh, using state of the art technology to glue or nail or dowel wood products together in in layers that result in in, um, higher uh, structural components that can, you know, comparatively be used as alternatives to say steel or concrete, for example, in some some places. So developing panels or posts or beams and and makes them very strong and versatile, but also lighter weight. It allows sort of uh, this renewable product of of wood that sequesters and stores carbon to be used and and last uh, a long time. And you can have these sort of um, materials from everything from cross laminated timber to glue laminated timber and other forms of of mass timber um, be used in all different types of formats and and, uh, tall tall wood buildings, for example, up to 12 stories are allowed in Canada um, and can allow for older buildings to be refurbished and and even um, made uh, taller in a sense to allow for densification. Um, So, uh, you know, the impact is that you can both store carbon and and use processes that are um, lighter in terms of environmental impact using renewable resources. Um, through
0: mass timber, um, when you take a look at our city, particularly here in Vancouver, and uh, and the kind of pressure that's on its development, um, the urgency that's required for a supply of housing, for instance, and um, and of course the the general wood construction that we've had over generations now, how how significant do you think is mass timber to say the city of Vancouver and and the importance and the development of a circular economy.
1: Yeah, I mean, Vancouver, not unlike uh, cities globally is in that point where you know urbanization and population growth are putting pressures on, on the city in terms of ability to house and, and um, accommodate um, businesses and, and cost-effective, cost-effective sort of real estate opportunities. Um, mass timber I would say allows for as I mentioned sort of taller buildings denser densification um, you know the opportunity for infill design strategies to be brought forward so there's an example for uh, a building uh, in Vancouver for example from 1911 that was an old warehouse that's uh, now being rehabilitated using mass timber um, that you know it's lighter weight mass timber hybrid system allows it Um, to grow taller and uh, and add layers or stories on top of this older building so that you're not looking at as much urban sprawl, but growing up instead of out. Um, I would say in the residential space that also exists for multi-unit residential and taller buildings as an opportunity there. Um, And as I mentioned, that material is, is an excellent carbon store from that perspective. Um, I would also say on the flip side, you've got opportunities to deconstruct older homes and many of the older residential homes, single family or or townhouse or others in Vancouver are using old growth lumber that's very dense and similar to mass timber in some ways. And companies like Unbuilders are able to extract that uh, old growth lumber from these old homes when it's deconstructed and, and reuse those in new projects and new homes. So opportunities to mix sort of um, deconstruction with new build uh, and mass timber construction to uh, to look at ways to support that sustainable growth in the city.
0: I want to conclude our conversation though by taking a look at at how we get from here to there um, a little bit better and um, principally what you see as some of the the policies that may affect uh, a more natural development of a circular economy. Um, and so, if you do, you have ideas if you were you know if you were the prime minister of the country kind of thing uh, what would you uh, what would you do in this
1: yeah i mean policy can be considered sort of from a regulatory approach it can be considered from sort of a an incentive based approach uh, and or also from sort of the role that government plays in um, you know, supporting and enabling the ecosystem. And that can be driving demand through um, tools like procurement, to uh, you know improving education and, and knowledge sharing and building collaborative models. And I think because circular economy is so focused on systems change and it's going to be you know overcoming the, the status quo of changing how we do it within the linear economy, it's a combination of all those different tools in the toolbox policy wise to, to really get there. So from a regulatory perspective, that can include things like um, you know bans on materi- materials entering the landfill, um it can include um you know extended producer responsibility that requires builders and companies to sort of think long term about the products and materials they're using in their products or buildings and reclaim those at the end of life. Um, It can, you know, require companies to design for repairability or, or that sort of thing, like they're like they're moving in in terms of Europe. Um, It can also use the economic incentives like taxes or um, different pricing structures or incentives to grow the innovation economy. And I think that's a a key part is how do you incentivize sort of the innovation space here um, how do you incentivize the collaboration that's needed to to uh, approach it from a um you know a systems perspective and then okay. lastly the sort of tools like procurement that can really help to drive um drive this so you, you know in public buildings for example you could be requiring a certain amount of recycled content um for concrete or for for uh, mass timber or wood for example as as an opportunity
0: alright I'm going to put you on the spot here uh, with our my last question if, if if you know you're you're a global expert on this um, what what's the one great idea out there that we should be trying right now mm-hmm.
1: are you thinking from the,
0: the construction building and sector specifically yeah let's look at that one sure
1: I mean, I think there's a a really great example out of uh, Europe that would be interesting to see if we could make that work in Canada, and that's the idea of building passports, um, where essentially you design buildings um, from the beginning with a good idea of what materials are going into them, so that at the end of their life, you can reclaim the value of those materials. Um, And the project in Europe called the building is material banks is really shifting the thinking about buildings um, as really having enormous amount of embedded value um, and thinking of them as material banks, essentially, and how do you make sure that at the end of life, you can extract the, the value out of those buildings. So they've set up the material passport, digital passports for their, their, their new buildings and um, able to track all the materials in that in that building over the course of its lifetime so that when it gets refurbished um, or renovated down the road, those materials can enter into a secondary market, et cetera. So the
0: interesting that's, to that's, experiment that's, with that. Sounds like hand-me-down clothing, right? Kind of thing. Like- <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's just allowing more transparency and, you know, a designer or a a builder can understand what kind of values in those buildings and how to get them back out again and use design principles to enable that.
0: And and presumably there's a great economic benefit in that and that you're you're understanding where the materials might be that you could avail yourselves of when they become become, uh, possible, right? Absolutely.
1: It also creates new opportunities for companies like forestry companies or others. Um, The mining sector is another example where they become stewards of the materials for the lifetime of those products and and actually look at new business model opportunities that come from that.
0: So they become almost like the bankers for all of this. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Great idea. Paul, I want to thank you for your time uh, over a couple of parts here. you illuminated the circular economy really well. I hope that it's uh, provided a a great value to our listeners to really get an understanding of, of uh, the importance of all of this. So thanks for your time. My pleasure.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks, Kurt.
0: Paul Shorthouse is a senior director at Delphi.ca and I'm Kurt Lapointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching. Our second our first part of this series, of course, is also available at baib.com.